0: I'm Pastor Brandon, joined with Pastor Zach, or pastors at Westside Reformed Church, a URC congregation in Cincinnati, Ohio. Today, we wanted to discuss uh, books that are being circulated, movies that are being made, conferences that are being held, revolving around people who claimed that they went to heaven or they went to hell, and they've had these experiences and they've been given knowledge and more, more insight into these places and now they're, uh, they're writing uh, about what they saw or making movies about what they saw in order to either encourage or warn people. Uh, back when there were Christian bookstores, you know, you'd walk in and some of the best-selling books were ones where people claimed that they died, went to heaven, met Christ, came back and now they have a a message to tell everybody or um, years ago there was a book about somebody who spent I forgot how many minutes in hell and experienced all the fiery pain and so on and so forth and then came back with a message of warning and judgment and and these things so we would have kind to of wrestle with that what do we do when people are making these claims? How do we understand these claims? Uh, but Zach, there's gonna be some problems here um, in terms of you know, people coming back with a new revelation, uh, new insights uh, with heaven or, or hell. Maybe you can start us off, what is one problem?
1: Yeah, well when we think about these sorts of things, we wanna first you know, acknowledge that many people who are excited about this are you know, sincere Christians, uh, but we think that there are some misleading things that are being um, disseminated, and so it's important for us to talk about that. And while I think that people who are excited about these things love the Bible, I think there's there are some places where they really begin to undermine the Bible. And they might not think of it in those terms, but it can actually happen in the way that they promote these ideas, promote these um, so-called uh, spiritual experiences. And one of the places where it really undermines. Uh, our understanding of Scripture is that it undermines the sufficiency of Scripture. You know, one of the key things about God's holy word is that he gave it to us in such a way that we need the Bible and the Bible alone as we think about things related to heaven and hell and salvation and Jesus Christ and how to glorify God in our lives and what we ought to believe to be saved and so forth, that God gave us a, 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 a word, a scripture, that is sufficient and complete. And this doctrine of the sufficiency of scripture is oh so important. The um, uh, confession of faith that we hold in our church, the Belgic Confession, says this, we believe that this holy scripture contains the will of God completely, and that everything one must believe to be saved is sufficiently taught in it. And the implication is this if God is now giving this new insight, that suggests very clearly, implies very clearly, that the Bible is not enough, that there's more to be said in this age, there's more to be learned in this age, and that God is, in a sense, held out a little bit with the Bible. Uh, Whereas we confess that the Bible is sufficient to teach us about heaven and hell, um, salvation, and how to obey and honor God. So I think the sufficiency of Scripture is one thing that begins to be compromised.
0: Yeah, and kind of piggybacking off that, not only the sufficiency is compromised, but also the authority of the Bible is compromised as well. Uh, The Belgic also goes on to say that the Bible is the only holy and canonical book for the regulating, founding, and establishing of our faith. In other words, the Bible is the only authoritative uh, place where we can go to learn about heaven and hell. Uh, they, they were doing interviews with people who were coming out of uh, one of the conferences that that was done about this person who went to heaven and was telling everybody about it and people were, were making statements like well now I know what heaven's really like, well now I know what it's really going to be like and, and, and what I'll really be doing there and what Christ is r- really like there uh, and even, uh, it, it's almost again, goes back to the sufficiency of scripture in a way as well because people are almost complaining a bit, in fact Uh, The father of one of the boys who claimed to go to heaven um, made statements like, Well, you know, the Bible just kind of left you wondering and guessing, but now we have a more full picture. Here, kind of complaining about the Bible saying, there's something that's lacking here. Now it's filled with this new revelation we got. by my book and add it to your Bible. And that's kind of essentially what people are doing now. So when people leave conferences or re- read a book or watch a movie and say, oh, well, now I know what heaven's really like. Now they're going to go back and read their Bible. And whenever they see heaven, they're going to read this understanding of this Extra-biblical book, and they're going to read that and cram it into the Bible uh, and, and their understanding, and that's problematic. Only the Bible is authoritative to tell us what heaven and what hell will be like. No other man-made book, because the canon is closed. We're not adding new books to the Bible. We're not adding new revelation to to the Bible. Um, and uh, so, so again, we're not going to be adding these books on heaven and hell to to sacred Scripture. It is sufficient, it is complete, it is authoritative. Uh, Zach, what what else is problematic about these people going to heaven and hell with new
1: revelations? I think related to this, we need to recognize that in Scripture God actually warns us against trying to learn more than he has revealed, trying to gain this additional knowledge that is not good for us to have in this life. And this is a problem that we see not only in our day and in this particular situation of which we're speaking, but we also see this in the biblical narrative as well, where the Israelites would go and try to consult mediums, uh, uh, performing necromancy, consulting the dead, uh, seeking out kinds of spirits to speak to them because they weren't content with what God gave them, and so God forbade those kinds of things as the inverse of what we're talking, as the, um, uh, he forbade the uh, the problem of going somewhere else. And so we really, as we are, are on this quest to find this uh, spiritual knowledge outside of scripture, we're also just going against God's flats of prohibitions. For example, in Isaiah chapter 8, verse 19, we have that same situation I mentioned with the Israelites, how they wanted to, Uh, communicate with the realm of the dead, they wanted new knowledge, and God asks them a question, rhetorically, of course, shouldn't a people consult their God? In other words, why are you trying to talk to the dead? Why are you trying to get special information? Come talk to me, and I'll give you my word. Is my word not enough? So, Brandon, could you maybe uh, talk a little about some of the claims? Because I think that We are identifying some problems with, um, you know, our doctrine of scripture here. If we kind of chase after those things, we also should recognize that there are sometimes when these claims actually go against scripture, Mm -hmm. and that probably needs to be um address as well.
0: Yeah, that's I mean, one of the problems you you kind of dig into these books and then you find well they're making claims that are just not biblical here. Um so like there there's places where they might say, you know, people are earning their wings. You know, they're becoming angels. And again, we don't become angels. We don't die and, and and turn into a different species, right? We are humans, we stay humans. Angels are angels, they stay angels in heaven. There will be you humans, angels, archangels and the the whole the whole thing, but uh yeah, we're not turning into something else. We're not doing all of that. But they'll talk about almost becoming angel-like or angelic and halos and all of these other other things. Now there was one book where uh, the person said that there's no sad songs in heaven. Uh, Nothing sad is in heaven. But that's the problem because one of the, the main songs in heaven is Blessed is the Lamb who was slain. Uh, you see the the martyrs in, in chapter 6 of Revelation under the altar crying out, how long, O Lord? And and uh, wanting to be avenged and talking about what happened to them and how Christ is going to be victorious and so on and so forth. So redemption and sin and the conquest of sin, and these things are spoken about in, in heaven. Obviously, when we see... Um, claims being made that uh that are unbiblical, we should, you know, that should cause us to pause. And also it's probably worth adding to one of the books where the uh where a child said he went to heaven, wrote a book, it became like New York Times bestseller list. and he retracted his statement so that he made it up. And uh, so you have this whole book that made this best-seller list, and I'm sure Christians were reading it and, and thinking they had new revelation about heaven or, and, and, and what death is like and what happens in heaven, and come to find out it was all imaginative. He made it all up. So we, we just need to be careful
1: when we read these books. The last thing I'll mention about this is that these books really tempt us to, to develop an imbalanced view of death and heaven or hell, because what we are tempted to do in an imbalanced way is to begin to imagine that the intermediate state is the final state. And here's what I mean by that. Yes, there is heaven. And when a Christian dies, although his or her body is in the grave, his or her soul or spirit, same thing, goes to be immediately with Jesus Christ. That's heaven. And that is wonderful, and that's better than being here on this earth at this point in time. It's better to be with Christ, as Philippians 1 uh, teaches us. However, that's not the final state. And for some reason, Christians have got in their minds that that is the final state, is to be free of the body and to be just a, a floating spirit, like, like Brandon mentioned, some angelic creature forever. And that's actually not the final state. That's not our final hope. But these kind of books about heaven and this disembodied place can really make us think that's our final hope. And it's not. Our final hope is the resurrection state. When our soul is reunited with our body, our body being raised from the grave, somehow put back together, glorified by Jesus Christ, that we are once again body and soul and we remain in that state forevermore. Now, it won't be my rickety body that's sore after I go to shovel mulch or something like that. It's going to be a glorified body that radiates just the beauty of Jesus Christ and the glory of the Holy Spirit. And so that final state where we are again again, bodied, embodied, that that is our final hope. Not heaven, but the new creation, the new heavens and the new earth. And so I think these books can really cause us to have an imbalanced, incorrect view of what our hope actually is it's not going to to float in a cloud and strum a harp but rather it's to be back on this earth glorified and our bodies here glorified raised from the dead reunited with our souls and to live on on a physical earth embodied forevermore with our embodied savior jesus christ amen
0: Well, I hope that this has been helpful for you. Uh, This is uh, Cincy Reform Podcast. We are sponsored by Westside Reform Church. You can find our previous podcast at cincyreform.org, and we look forward to seeing you next week.